Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, you can go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship and get all the details. And if you got something cool working with IPv6, we want to hear from you. So join us on the V6 Buzz. Tell us what you got working with V6 and why it's all cool. Uh, I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Cuffing and, and Scott Hogue. And today we're going to be talking about IPv6 multicast. And... Uh, I guess I guess we we have to address the big the big question in the room, which is uh, what are the differences for V four and V six in terms of what they're making use of, and and multicast is 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 much bigger in V six, but I guess we should explain why. <laughs> and 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 I guess does V six use broadcast because we don't mention it at all ever in any of the shows really, and I guess there's a good reason why. So <laughs> maybe we can cover that really quickly. Yeah, IPv6 doesn't use broadcast. IPv4 uses, you know, subnet broadcasts sent to the subnet, you know, all ones broadcast address. And it and it forces the one-to-many communications upon the many, and they all have to interrupt what they're doing, uh, get that packet and process it, whether they want it or not. So it's inefficient, but it does accomplish the goal of one-to-many on a LAN. And so IPv4 has this concept, but multicast is a lot more efficient method of one-to-many because nodes often opt in. They listen to a particular multicast group, a destination address, and they're tuning in and getting only those multicasts that they want to receive and none of the others they're not interested. Okay. I guess the the crux or the way to flip it around is there is a way to do the equivalent of a broadcast mm-hmm. in V6, but using a multicast address, right? So that's the other way to think about it is that we subsume broadcast into a function of multicast, I guess. Is, yeah. Is, yeah. Is we have, about it. yeah, we have unicast addresses and we've mm-hmm. talked a lot in the show about, uni, you know, global unicast addresses for one-to-one communication. We have anycast one to nearest service, you know, like a multicast DNS service, for example, and then one to many in IPv6 uses multicast. There's no broadcast. And in IPv4, the broadcast is just a land-based broadcast. Right. So in IPv6, we have multicast addresses that are scoped based on how far the multicast gets replicated and spread across the network. And with IPv6, we have link local uh, multicast scope that sends that one-to-many communication only on that local LAN segment. Which is that same scoping as what I, what you're used to seeing in IPv4 for a broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of the same analogy there in terms of what is function and, and what's going on. All yeah, right. The scope is kind of like how far it spreads. And we have different numbers assigned to those scopes. So... I guess we can start off at the basics. You know, IPv6 multicast is a destination address only, not a source address. It's a destination and it's a group. And so it starts with the two hex digits FF. So FF, if you see those first two hex digits, FF, it stands out pretty clearly. It's a multicast destination address that indicates the group, the nodes who are tuned into that particular channel that want to receive that particular message. The FF is the first two hex digits. The next hex digit is a flag indicating the type of multicast address it is. If it's a zero, 
it's a well-known flag indicating that it's it's something a well-known address that is defined by internet assigned number authority if it's a one then that's a flag of something that's kind of transient or something you just made up you know or uh it's it's can be assigned yourself uh temporary assigned yeah locally locally assigned right yeah, yeah. so ff the next hex digit's a flag the next hex digit is a scope so that makes the first four hex characters in the multicast address the scope if it's a two uh that's a link local scope so ff02 would be a well-known multicast address that is only link locally significant. Yeah. And so, and like, and just to clarify for, for folks that are might be pondering, it's like FF01 is actually for the host itself. Right. Mm -hmm. So any, any, you know, it's that that's like a self designation for, for anything multicast. Yeah. Think of it as like a, a multicast loopback essentially. Right. Yeah. yeah. Interface yeah. local or node local, they call it. Yeah. 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 It's, but I think, we can all agree the the most common multicast traffic you're going to see in V6 on standard operating networks is going to be an FFO2 of some type, right? And there's additional scoped addresses that have particular functions within within V6 that that work sort of on that link. And I guess we can yeah. we can sort of talk through what the you know what those look like, or do we want to? sort of break down like how this is different than before. I mean, there's a couple of different ways to sort of tackle this, right? It's compare yeah. and contrast, or there's the, or there's the, uh, here's all the net new and just learn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, which, uh, you know, which is fine. I think, I think probably the easy one is just a, is a, is a bit of both, which is the FFO2 colon colon one, which looks like a broadcast address that V4 would use because it's the all nodes multicast address that's used by IPv6. So if you see an FFO2 colon colon one, you're you're yelling to everyone on the wire, right? Um, that's that's the standard set of behavior that we expect to see. Uh, this everyone that's that destination is every host that exists in this particular LAN segment. We want to we want them to pay attention to what we have to say at that moment in time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the closest thing that ipv6 has to a broadcast but it's technically not a broadcast technically it's... not a broadcast because <laughs> the end host has to choose to listen so this this is something mm -hmm. important distinction right uh you don't get this in v4 is that with with v6 with the multicast side you have to choose or have to build a listener that actually participates in this group so your nick interface mm -hmm. has to decide that it wants to pay attention to ffo2 colon colon one now by the standards it should be if it's got v6 enabled right it should it should automatically build that that address to listen in on that particular multicast group. But there's, I guess, technically there's no requirement. Like if you're writing a security protocol or something else, you wouldn't have to listen to FFO2 colon colon one if you didn't want to, or don't have to act on it maybe, but maybe you still listen. I don't know. Yeah. And it's a little bit of an interesting distinction. The fact that you are subscribed to these multicast groups at the host level, and this is something that you don't see in V4. So, you know, we're not used to like we do an ARP dash A and V4, for instance, to see like the, you know, layer two cache or whatever, just various commands you would run to sort of see the state of the network. Um, but we're sort of not used to paying attention to what uh, what multicast groups were actually subscribed to on the host right. level. And so that's something mm -hmm. that, you know, when you get to V6 and you start troubleshooting a host and uh, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, we've run into a scenario where I'm actually having to troubleshoot, making sure that the multicast group is subscribed to. That's pretty, pretty under the hood, but there are command line, you know, functions that allow you to look at that information. And it is kind of a curious thing to see because we just don't really have a parallel in before. 
Yeah. And we were just doing a TCP dump on, on ICMP traffic for, <laughs> for some of this stuff in terms of like neighbor advertisement that you're going to see some similar sorts of behaviors. So it's, it's not uncommon that you should at least know what multicast groups you're listening to. And one of the reasons why is because there's another address, the FFO2 colon colon two address, which is the all routers address. All routers who exist on the LAN segment should be listening to that particular address. Obviously, if you're not a router, you could, I guess technically you could still listen to that address <laughs> and, and, and see requests uh, coming to you. But, uh, but the reality is only the routers should really have that particular address uh, enabled on themselves. And, uh, and there's a specific reason why we use that to be able to send a, you know, a router solicitation. That's the, that's the end node address that we send it to, right? It's FFO2 colon colon two, because that's how we, you know, get a hold of quote unquote, all the routers that exist on that network segment, right? Um, so that's, that's one of the ways that, that you're seeing some of the, I guess, some of the behind the curtains, how the, how the, uh, how the secret sauce is being made, right. In terms of <laughs> how we get a hold of a particular host, it's because of their participation in these particular multicast addresses. That's right. So if I dig out my uh, Wireshark and I start to, you know, I do my IPv6 dot ADDR greater than or equal to FF00 double colon. And I start looking at all my exciting multicast traffic v6 multicast traffic right away i'm like hmm ff02 double colon fb is there an actual address scope reserved for facebook is that what i'm seeing 100 <laughs> <laughs> i just assume that's the case they have taken over everything and so uh, yes absolutely no that's the <laughs> although, although I, I imagine they wish they had <laughs> that particular well-known multicast address that's used for mdns right if i'm not mistaken i think yeah that's right and and that's you're going to see a ton of that traffic if you're doing a, if you're sniffing the wire mm -hmm. and especially if you're running uh, ios and uh, and and mac mac os uh, and, and Windows does quite a bit of MDNS now too. They've really sort of ported mm -hmm. over from the link local multicast name resolution, which was their sort of imp early adopter implementation of doing basically multicast DNS and, and really sort of adopted onto the MDNS wagon to, to do things like printer discovery and, and, and things of that nature, maybe maybe drive shares or things of that nature that, uh, that, you, that you want to do. So I think, I think you'll see a lot of that related traffic. Uh, but it's all scoped locally, right? So that FFO2 means it's it's not meant to pass a layer through routing domain. And link local multicast name resolution that uses FF02 colon colon one colon three. Right. Simple service discovery protocol, FF02 colon colon C, and uh, universal plug and play, like DLNA, FF02 colon colon F. So there's a internet assigned number authority, you know, page that lists all of these well-known link local multicast groups. I just Scott groups. knew all these off the top of <laughs> no, his head. <laughs> no. yeah. And then uh, the vendors have, you know, uh, you know, established their own. And sometimes, you know, link local multicast will be used, you know, in a, in a rack of equipment with compute and storage and networking devices to talk to each other in the management plane. Uh, you know, vendors will discover stacks of equipment, you know, in their hyper-converged, you know, environments. And that that allows them the capability to do self-discovery because if they're listening mm -hmm. on the particular multicast group, if, if other folks don't know what it is, then they just ignore it, right? They're not paying attention to that particular address. They're not going to get interrupted. They won't even really, you know, outside of the, the NIC, taking a look at the 
the, the designation and determining whether it should actually do an interrupt or not, right? That's much more efficient in terms of in terms of what it's doing. So if it doesn't have a pattern match for that, it just discards it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of these assignments for folks that are interested. You can hit iana.org and search for the V6 multicast address assignment uh, sheet, and it has it available, and you can actually pull it down. And and, uh, and if you don't want to look on the website and pull it down and play around with it and check out the, you know, all ripple nodes of <laughs> FF02 colon colon 1A, <laughs> or, or yeah. uh, if you want to look at, you know, PTP. Um, and you and you want to take a look at uh, at stuff like that. There, there's all sorts of capabilities that are built in um, mm-hmm. in here. So it's it's it is sort of cool to look through it and sort of see the yeah vast swath of addresses that are actually made use of. Uh, and and it's not just uh, locally scoped. There are in terms of link local scope multicast addresses. There are other scopings, and maybe we talk about those really quickly just for conceptual reasons. Like there's the whole concept of what like a site local. Mm-hmm. multicast address from an operational standpoint if you think about the one that uh, you know a, a use case that might be uh, uh useful to consider right so what are the uh, what's the scenario where i have to have that multicast traffic leave the local link and maybe maybe the first thing that comes to mind is a, a dhcp v6 mm-hmm. so i want to yeah. reach a dhcp v6 server that's not on the local link i would obviously need a multicast scope that was not limited to the local link mm-hmm. yeah there's there's that use case. There's the use case of uh, any any of the classic V4 related multicast use cases. So uh, streaming audio, streaming video, anything that fits in, in those sorts of categories would also be something that you might potentially, you know, site scope. Um, mm-hmm. You're running it within your site. And so you might choose to, to grab particular variable scope allocations from, from FF05 uh, is the site, site local scope. So if you see FF uh, FF05, you know that that is not staying on the on the local local link, right? It's it's going to be some sort of routed configuration, and then there, and actually MDNS is one of them that can can use FF05 colon colon FB, right, mm-hmm. to actually do routed MDNS, which is sort of interesting, which is something that is supported in V4 too for multicast DNS. Yeah. Um, you could also, it. you know, make your own, like, let's say you didn't want to use a well-known, you were going to mm-hmm. create your own multicast application. Let's say it's an emergency notification within that site. Mm-hmm. So you could create FF15, the one being it's temporary or it's something you've created. It's not well-known. Five, it's still scoped to that site and doesn't go over to the other site. So you could have FF15 colon colon 911 or something that is an emergency notification of some event, you know, a fire or something. Right. And then in the next building over, they could also be using FF15 colon colon 911. And maybe in the other site, they're not so interested in a, a fire at the other site or they don't have to evacuate for a fire at the other site. It's a different, you know, physical building or even in different, locations far away, but they could each use the same group, but it's scoped within their site. But right. then you could have FF18 or, or something like that that is organizational local. And maybe that's a, a broadcast or <laughs> a multicast message, a stream of, you know, from the executives on a quarterly, you know, meeting or something or a, an announcement, FF18. And it's a video of, you know, executives talking about some announcement or something like that and that would go to all sites you know right and and so depending on the the scoping size and there's some reserved um 
sort of well-known scopes. Zero is reserved. One is the interface local, like we mentioned before. Two is link local. They have this concept three and four of like realm and admin, which I don't think I've ever seen anyone really use in any way. Mm -hmm. So I don't even know if I understand realm and admin <laughs> to be perfectly blunt, transparent. I've never encountered uh, five, it. Yeah, yeah, five is site local, which we I think we all mm -hmm. sort of have a concept of what that is. Six and seven are, are unassigned. And then eight, as you just mentioned, Scott, is organizational. So this would be more like your top level, you know, like, um, you know, it would be like, you know, from example.com, it would be the example portion, right? Not the .com portion. Mm -hmm. um, and then the .com portion would be, you know, nine through D are unassigned. And then E is a global scope, right? So E mm -hmm. would be that equivalent of like the .com or the .net or whatever sort of, or the dot itself, right? The root <laughs> mm -hmm. global scope is everything on the internet, right? Um, in theory. So in theory, we could run V6 multicasts across the internet. I think we say that in theory, because I, I don't think that's a, I, th I think that's a, you know, a, a dream that is, uh, <laughs> that has been thoroughly crushed by uh, many operators. <laughs> multi the multicast utopia. <laughs> yeah, practical. I just don't see people sharing global scoped multicast addresses to service a function that isn't just screaming to be hacked in some horrible way and abused if we just uh, so, believe enough ed if we just believe kum, enough kumbaya we'll, we'll 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 play the guitars around the campfire <laughs> and we will get globally scoped multicast across the internet uh but yeah and then the the f is reserved for, so so that scope portion is is well defined it's it's not random uh, just so you know i obviously you can use unassigned uh, addresses for your own purpose uh just you know keep an eye out it might might end up being used for something else but I don't think uh, I don't think it's it's uh, anything you really have to worry about. And I think most folks would would see the FFO two and the FFO five as really being the common use cases that scenario wise that they probably end up using. He is used for unicast based multicast addresses where you take a portion of your RAR allocation and paste it in there to identify it as your organization is doing these things multicast on a global scope. So you embed part of your unicast address in your multicast address. We won't, let's not talk about it. It's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have, uh, you know, source specific multicast. Yes. As well in IPv6 where IPv4, you know, you have your 232 address space mm -hmm. for SSM. So you have FF3 something is source specific multicast address space for V6. Right. And that's, and that's the three is a flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what's indicating that portion. Then the scope is still the still the same scope portion, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's probably a good segue into IPv6 multicast routing, which good good news or bad news, depending on you know your the amount of of blood, sweat, and tears you've shed trying to get IPv4 multicast routing to do the things you needed to do. But it's it's pretty similar in v6, mm -hmm. just like it's pretty similar in the other IPv6 unicast routing protocols. Similar enough that uh, yeah that that it should be you know something that you're at least somewhat familiar with if you've if you've done it all in IPv4. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you get PIMS sparse mode capable V6 multicast routing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and depending, I don't, I don't think I've seen any dense mode implementation. I don't know why you would have <laughs> implementation. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, I guess if you're trying to compare it, you know, apples for apples in terms of every feature and function, right? That's not something that you're commonly going to see, right? Yeah, the same PIM protocol, RFC 4601, it's the same PIM V2. Yep. works v4 and v6 it's the same protocol and it's from its inception 
was intended to work with V4 and V6 and be that signaling, you know, uh, between routers and nodes to see who wants to join which multicast group and then build a multicast distribution tree, you know, between the multicast routers to facilitate, you know, copying, you know, those multicast packets downstream to the outgoing interface list towards the nodes that want to receive it. Right. So Uh, it's the same. It's, it works the same. You can have, you know, any source multicast, you know, we have a rendezvous point works exactly the same for V6. You have a rendezvous point, you have a a source tree, you have a shared tree. And then once it gets all put together, it prunes back to the shortest path tree. So (laughs) S comma G star comma G. 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 It's It's all the same. same. It's all just as miserable to troubleshoot in IPv6 (laughs) as it is in IPv4. I guess the other one that's, that's really common for multicast addresses, at least, at least in terms of like, you know, my experience of of really sort of seeing them is also in routing protocols for neighbor discovery and sort of just, you know, passing information back and forth. Forming adjacencies and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. forming adjacencies. And so uh, I don't know if we want to talk about that really quickly, but uh, that's the other area where I think, you know, just from debugging and trying to understand what's going on and like how the heck using link local addresses, do these two routers come up and discover each other and actually build an adjacency and actually function when they don't have these global unicast addresses on the actual interface, but maybe they have them on loopbacks, but they're still able to route my, my V6, you know, global unicast address traffic. How the heck does that happen? <laughs> right. And this, this answer is part of that mystery, right? Yeah. Cause we used multicast, you know, between EIGRP routers mm-hmm. and we used OSPF used, you know, multicast two two four zero zero five two two four zero zero six. you know, to talk between all DR routers. And so with IPv6, it's FF02 colon colon five and FF02 colon colon six. So they tried to keep the last uh, hextet of the interface identifier the same in the multicast group. Uh, right. Uh, instead of two two four zero zero ten for EIGRP and IPv6, it's FF02 colon colon A. <laughs> Just to make it that much more confusing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> should you display it as decimal or display it as hex? And like, how does that work? And say so we're we're doing we're doing all one for one here, so it's mm-hmm. it's showing up as colon colon a. Mm-hmm. And th- what other use cases um, are is, are like multicast addresses? Like probably pretty, I guess, like in clustering and in mm-hmm. maybe in like high available systems. Is it? Is multicast multicast is one of many solutions that's used in, in those particular configurations, right? VRRP uh, makes use of multicast, and I think you're going to see the same thing in, in V6 uh, mm-hmm. for that capability. Uh, and it's it's sort of similar that way. And then like the relay agents for DHCP, right, are like shared multicast addresses, right? For if you have multiple ways to relay in and out of uh, from one particular relay agent to a server, right? We're gonna, they're all gonna listen on a, on a common multicast address uh, to be able to get that DHCP request coming inbound, right? Mm-hmm. To make sure that they're doing the right thing with it. I don't know, yeah. is, it, what, what, is, there, is there other stuff that we should really be identifying for folks? Yes, we're, we've, we're being negligent at this point. We have, okay. we have failed to mention the vaunted solicited node multicast address <laughs> and Tim Martin will never talk to us again. If we somehow <laughs> wrapped up the episode without mentioning it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I guess we should talk about what a solicited node multicast address actually is and why is it, why is it important to V6? And uh, I always see the solicited node multicast address as the cheap uh, multicast address for my unicast in order to be able to do 
sort of discovery on the wire because I steal the last 24 bits of my global unicast address mm-hmm. and I build this solicited node multicast address. And I really see it as this primary function of like preventing duplicate address detection problems on, right. on networks. Uniqueness, I, so, I sort of think of it that way, but I don't know. Do you guys think of it differently? Um, I probably didn't do a great job explaining what the heck it is, but basically you can hire on the, you can, if you know the address of, of someone you're trying to reach, you can basically do a check um, for that address, but just steal the last 24 bits and put it into a well-known uh, pre-built address, uh, an FFO2 colon colon one colon, what is it? FF, FF, yeah. And then the last 24 bits of whatever their address is. Yeah, and the function is the host uh, basically creates that multicast group on itself when its address is configured and then listens for requests to that multicast uh, group coming from you know outside of itself. So that right. so, for duplicate address detection, it's the, the primary mechanism where, you know, if I were a different host attempting to use that same address, I would send a neighbor solicitation with the destination of that solicited node multicast address. Another host that that shared that same address, the, those lower 24 bits that you mentioned would match. The multicast group would uh, would receive that traffic and would be like, oh, OK, I'm already actually subscribed to this and I'm, I'm using it. And so therefore there's a there's a duplicate. There's a collision and address collision. Right. Now, it's not guaranteed to be unique that way, right? We're not using the full lower 64 to solve this particular problem. Right, because it's only the 24 bits. So there's right. still, there's that probability. And what is there's, that? It's pretty... There's a rare, <laughs> it's a rare small collision domain where you might have two addresses that have the last 24 bits being the same, but the rest of the address is not. And, and therefore, you're, you're, you're interrupting the one random additional nick on the on the wire that's listening to that solicit node. So. But if you think about the scenarios where there might more realistically be an overlap or more probably be an overlap, it would be where you're manually coding the address and you're using values such as, oh, I don't know, say one or, you know, something that's human readable <laughs> and human memorizable. So if for that purpose, you know, if, if the address interface identifier is randomly generated, then that probability of overlap goes way down. But, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the real world where we're just like, hey, let's just stick one on there and, you know, go to lunch, uh, then <laughs> the probability of collision goes way up. Right. And, and what's interesting is uh, your global unicast and your link local, if they're using the same last 64, you only have to build a single solicited node multicast address because the last 24 bits are going to be the same too. That's right. And you end up being uh, building only a single solicited node. But if you have like temporary addresses or random private privacy addresses built on, on, on your particular host, you're going to end up with a bunch of solicited node multicast addresses, one for each one of the related uh, interfaces with unique 64 bits. So you're going to, if you know how to display these, then, and there's ways to display and see where your uh, solicited node multicast address is. Uh, you can also, you know, if you know what your actual unicast address is, you should know, you should be able to build and know what your solicit and multicast address actually is on the particular host. And that would work uh, to solve that particular problem. And the efficiency out of this really has to do with passing this down to layer two segments, right? Onto the ethernet segment. That's where we gain efficiencies around this particular aspect of, of sort of avoiding this address collision because we only have a limited amount of space that we can use um, for, for MAC address matching, right? And so, I think we previously had Denise Fishburne on talking about some of this stuff and, and Multicast was, is, she's given some fantastic presentations on, on sort of debugging and sort of doing detective work around what's going on with V6 and Multicast is definitely one of those areas. And she, she has a whole presentation on 3333, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A sniffer full of threes. Yeah. Her seven yeah. part IPv6 blog series, I refer people to, to this day. 
And number four of the seven is on the solicited node multicast group and what that is and how it works. Yeah. yeah. If you want, if you're on a Linux box or a Mac uh, machine, you can run netstat g to take a look at those multicast groups that your host is uh, has generated or, and or is subscribed to. I don't remember what the command is for Windows. Maybe maybe Ed knows. It's a, it's a netsh command. You can't do it with yeah. PowerShell. So it's uh, a yeah. netsh command. Netsh int ipv6 show space joins. Yep, that's it. Yeah, and it's on, a, on a Cisco router, if you just did show IPv6 interface and the name of the interface, you'd see the groups that it's joined or it's listening to. So you'd see it was, because a router is a node, you would see FF02 colon colon one. It's a router, so it's listening on FF02 colon colon two, the all routers. You'd see it listening on five and six. If it was participating in OSPF E3, you'd see it listening in uh, D and 16 mld yep uh, so. you might if, if you got vrp set up for high available default you'll see participating in 12. Mm -hmm. so yeah so just depending on what services are enabled on the router you're going to see all of those related addresses and then you're going to see every single solicit no multicast address that's associated with the interface too yeah and facebook um, <laughs> no routers don't listen to facebook but nodes listen to facebook <laughs> <laughs> No, the router's just forward to Facebook. <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> the interesting thing is uh, you're going to see different uh, manufacturers have different displays of these addresses slightly. Uh, some of them get repeated, some of them don't. So I'll just tell you that right now. So I think in like Cisco NXOS, every solicited node address, even though it's it may be a shared address that the last 64 is the same, it's going to display it twice. So you're going to see two addresses, two solicited node multicast addresses of the same address type associated with the interface and it's going to be listed out twice. So for those of you that are in automation and you want to scrape this sort of stuff, you're going to see different output from like iOS XE or from like Arista versus like, you know, NXOS. And you have to pay attention to those if you're trying to figure some of this stuff out, just word of the wise. Not that we've ever run into that. <laughs> oh, but Tom, you make a good point. If you're looking at your host and you do a netstat dash G or a dash six G, then you only see the V6 multicast groups. You'd see your your node's own solicited node multicast group in that list because it's listening to that. So you'd see that it's listening to that solicited node multicast group address. It would tell you. That's right. That output. And now you'll know what that is when you see it. It's very, mm -hmm. I'm very excited for our listeners. They're going to take a look at what that, we, uh, the output of that command and, and, and say to themselves, oh my, what is this? What is all this? what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than a lot of people are necessarily aware of. What's interesting is there is a different view of this from the host OS standpoint versus like doing like a TCP dump or a Wireshark capture. And so I, I, I encourage people to do both because mm -hmm. a slightly different view of like what goes on the wire versus what the host is interpreting about what's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's useful to do both, I think, uh, when you're trying to figure out some of this stuff around the multicast side. And yeah, absolutely. The scoping and, the, and, the, and the, just how the space is being used and what's generated on the host OS. Really recommend um, there's, you know, Tim's got a great V6 multicast primer that I think is, is definitely worth people's time. And Denise's articles are fantastic. Mm -hmm. so Really recommend those. Cool. All right, you guys. I think we sort of covered or gave gave folks a good initial intro on the multicast side for V6. 
feel like we got everything checked off the box? I think so. Well, unlike V6, we've run out of space for this podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at IPV6Buzz. And you can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. Uh, Tom is at IPV6Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogue. And I'm at E. Horley. And because Twitter seems to be having challenges recently and not related to us, <laughs> please head over to packerpushers.net slash FU to send follow-up questions and comments on the show. We definitely want to hear from you folks because uh, we get a lot of we, we've had occasion to be able to do uh, special shows just answering listeners' questions. We'd love to have more of those. Uh, thanks for listening to the IP Physics Buzz. You can find us on the Packer Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IP Physics Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, if you like this podcast, we recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break Podcast, plus all the other great technical content over at PackerPushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.